That same day, Jesus went out of uh, the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, uh, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since uh, they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, or he who has ears, let him hear. And then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never receive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word. Immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, it is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we thank you uh, for your word and uh, even how your word speaks about itself and its work in our life, of how, how to communicate it and, and also how to receive it. We pray that you would give us instruction now. Give us your spirit, um, that you would make your word alive to us and that you would apply your word into each one of our own lives, our own minds, our own, each of our hearts and the situations that we are facing and uh, the doubts that we wrestle with about you. So, Lord, be our instructor and we ask for your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are, are looking at a passage this morning about seeds, and uh, you know, I, I imagine many of you in Bellingham have gardens, and maybe your gardens are all set up for uh, the spring to, to get growing, and we, we began gardening a few years ago. I really like gardening when I have uh, time for it, and uh, when we were first learning about gardening, we went out to uh, Bakerview Nursery, which I think is closed down now, unfortunately, it was sad, but... Uh, 
when we first were going to be first planting our garden, we went out there and we talked to one of the people there. And if you ever asked him a question about planting things, prepare yourself for you know, a half hour uh, lecture on everything they know about planting seeds and things. And our question for them was, should we just use seeds that we just put in the ground or should we get little starts? You know, you get a plant start and plant the plant start in the ground if we want good vegetables. And so what they said was, well, if you really want your plants to be fruitful, you need, uh, you, you can get the seeds, but you need to create a whole indoor system that cares for the seeds. You know, you have heating pads and, and they're protected and they have all these things. You need to set up this whole system if they're really going to be nurtured and become strong, healthy plants. And because they were saying these plants are very delicate. And uh, so you need to create a place where uh, they can be cared for because their environment affects them so seriously. Now, I don't know if that's true. Actually, we've just stuck seeds in the ground all the time. Uh, but the point was that seeds, the planting of seeds, the beginning of plants, is a very delicate process. And then in some ways, seeds are a very weak thing. They're very small. And even when they first germinate, they, uh, you know, they don't have a lot of strength to them, which is exactly Jesus' point here. Is he's talking about the Word of God being like a seed in our life that there's a weakness to it. But what's also amazing about that, you think of little seeds and they're so weak and they start these little plants and they seem, wow, they're so, you know, so vulnerable. And yet you look at the world and you look not just at you know, jungles that are full of plant life and you know, trees and things like that, but you also just look at humanity and humanity that with all of its vitality and bumbling around, they're making cities and making airplanes and working and building families and there's so much energy and power. And you say, where does all this energy and vitality and life come from? Well, people eat plants or they eat animals that ate plants. And actually, all of that energy, all of that power that's, that's generating this whole world comes from those little seeds. That seeds are simultaneously tremendously weak and tremendously powerful, life-giving. And what Jesus says is that the kingdom of God is like these little seeds. It is both weak and powerful. Now, why would Jesus say that his kingdom is like a sower who's throwing seeds on the ground, and that the, his word is like a seed that's both weak and powerful. Well, I think for one reason, you know, in a place like Bellingham, uh, many people, the way that they view religious movements, you know, maybe even what we're doing here, is that religions are about power. They are about people who uh, get into a position of power and they want to control people. And, uh, and you would imagine that if someone was going to start a kingdom, that's generally how kingdoms get started, is through power, through coercion, forcing people to do what you want them to. And yet, what does Jesus say? My kingdom is not like that. My kingdom is like a sower who's just going out and spreading a little seed around. And sometimes it finds a place where it just subversively, it subtly sneaks into people's lives and subversively begins to change them. And it begins to grow in them and it begins to bear fruit. And it becomes very powerful, but in a very subtle way. And so what we are, we are a part of a movement that Jesus is doing. It's a global movement of, of the building of his kingdom. And the way he is building his kingdom is, is the way no other kingdom has been built. It is by just having a book that people study and they think about and it changes the world. 
And it's, you know, it's a very controversial book. You know, sometimes it needs to get smuggled into countries. And, and oftentimes, uh, governments know that this is a dangerous book, even though it's just a book. It's just a seed. It's so weak. It's so vulnerable. You can burn it, right? You can make sure it doesn't come into your country. But when it comes in, it begins to grow and transform things. Okay? And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about this parable, the parable of the sower, which is a parable about the Word of God and its power in in our mission that we are doing. And in particular, in this passage, Jesus tells us two things about the Word of God. First of all, he tells us about the character of the speaker of the Word of God. So he talks about us as we go out and we speak the Word of God, we communicate the Word of God. What, what kind of character should we have? How should we go about doing that? But second, he also talks about the character of the hearer of the Word of God. What Uh, What should we be aware of about our own hearts as we receive the word of God? Because both of these things are key to the expansion of his kingdom and the work that this word does. Okay, So we're going to look at these two things together as we look at this passage. The character of the uh, the speaker of God's word and the character of the hearer of God's word. Okay, So first, what is the character of the speaker of God's word? And I'm going to point out five character qualities that Jesus uh, gives in this passage of how do you effectively communicate the word of God and the gospel. How do you do that? How does Jesus say that we should be communicating the word of God and the gospel? The first thing is, he shows us that we should be simple. That when God spreads his word into the world, it should come to people in a manner that is simple. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. This is a parable that we just read that Jesus gives about the word of God. So he It's the Word of God talking about the Word of God. It's talking about itself, right? And um, as Jesus talks about how we communicate the Word of God, he uses earthy, uh, pictorial, simple illustrations that really anyone can kind of follow what he's talking about, right? It says in verse 3, he told them many things in parables, so when Jesus speaks the word of God, he uses simple things, very common things, you know, about farming and about seeds and about business and about real estate and things like that. We're going to see as we go through this chapter. He talks about very mundane, everyday kinds of things that we are all dealing with throughout our life. And it's very simple so that anyone can come and understand it. And, um, and yet he's communicating profound mysteries with these simple little stories. They're simple little stories that we could tell to our children. Of course, this says something about what a good teacher Jesus is. You know, C.S. Lewis says somewhere that, that if you can't explain something to a six-year-old, it means that you don't understand it yourself. Unless you can begin to translate something into simple language, you really haven't begun uh, to grasp it. And I'll tell you, one of the marks of a church that is communicating the Word of God, that is on mission, that is going out and sharing the Word of God with his neighbors and with his community, is it is learned to communicate the Word of God in, in, in simple language, in the vernacular of its culture. Okay? A missional church learns to translate the Word of God into the vernacular of the culture, into the common language of its people. And um, you know, I'll tell you, in our church, this is, this is one of the kind of primary goals for us as a church, primary goals for me as a pastor. I'm you know, somewhere between 0 and 100% effective in actually doing this, but this is one of my goals, is that 
someone could come into our church and they could have never been to church in their life and they know nothing about the Bible and they can at least follow what I'm talking about. They're not alienated by, you know, and say, these people talk a different language. This is, this is about a different world. I have no place here. They could come in and say, I'm learning. I don't necessarily know all this stuff, but I'm learning. Or someone who's been in church for decades and has, knows the Bible inside and out could also come in and say, I'm learning new things. And that's the way Jesus teaches, is he teach, teaches things that are simple. You could t- tell, say to a, child, a child, and yet people have PhDs in the New Testament could continue to study these parables and find mysteries and profound wonders there. And so um, what we need to be aware of as Christians, as we communicate the Word of God, is that there's a whole body of technical and tribal language that we use as Christians. There's all kinds of words that if you've been in the church for a long time, these are words that you just think everyone understands. They don't understand them. And we need to be aware of those things. We need to learn to not use those words and use words that are common and simple as we communicate the word of God. And uh, Jesus never taught in a way that just alienated people, that was just uh, a foreign language. He taught in simple, everyday language that even uh, the poor and the uneducated could come and understand him. So the first part of how do we effectively communicate God's word in the gospel is to be simple. But second, that we should be intentional. That to communicate the word of God, we need to be intentional about speaking God's word. It's something, you know, it says in verse 3, as Jesus tells this parable that a sower went out to sow. A sower went out to sow. Now the image is going to be this sower who's going out and he's scattering seed in a field. And this is a picture of someone who's going out and sharing the gospel with people. And he's talking about this is what his disciples are going to do. They're going to go share the gospel and spread God's word. And what did the sower have to do? He had to go out and have a sense that he had a mission. He had something to do. And um, the word of God is only communicated when the messenger has an intentionality about him. When we have a sense that we are intentional, that wherever we go, we have a desire to talk about God's word and to share it with people. That's God's intent for us. And I'll tell you, um, how do you become that kind of person? That talking about the word of God in simple ways with all kinds of people, people inside of the church, outside of the church, your coworkers, your neighbors, whenever opportunities come up, how do you become that kind of person? You really become that kind of person when the word of God is something you're fascinated with that you love, you're interested in, you want to learn more about, and so you want to talk about it. And, um, and you know, that's part, part of what happens is when, when it has been integrated into every area of my life, and so the gospel touches how I, how I do my marriage, how I do my work, how I, do, uh, how I raise my children, how, you know, how I think of even my hobbies or how I spend my money. It's in every part of my life. When I begin to talk to people, it's just going to come out. And it's not that I'm trying to force this down people's throat. I'm just going to say, well, you know, I'm a Christian, so this is why I view it this way or I talk about it this way. And what do you think about that? Oh, that's interesting. Well, as a Christian, you know, we agree with that. And, uh, or I might think of it differently this way. But if it's in every part of my life and I'm always thinking about it, then I'm going to have an intentionality and a desire to talk about it. And let me just tell you this. Um, the... There are many people in our culture who desire to talk about real things. And they can't find anyone who's willing to talk to them about real things. There are people, you know, there's, there's so much stuff that we fill our conversation with. It's kind of frivolous and it's just superficial. And people say, I want to talk about what's really happening in my life and what life is really about. 
And part of it, if we have this intentionality and people know that if I really want to talk about my life, I want to talk about my relationships, I want to talk about what I'm doing with my life, and they say, you know, that person I work with, I know they're a Christian. I know that, you know, they're not badgering me all the time, but I know that they're willing, that when I'm ready, that's someone I can go to and I can have a serious conversation with about God and about my life. And so people should be aware of us, that we have that sense that we want to go out. We're out in the world to talk about who God is and what life is about. Now this does not mean, being intentional does not mean being obnoxious with people, right? That every conversation, you know, that someone says, oh, you mentioned a book. Have you, have you ever read the Bible? Like, let's talk about the Bible, right? Everything that comes up, it triggers, I can turn this to talk about Jesus. You know, uh, Churchill has a, a quote, he says that a fanatic is someone who uh, won't change their mind and won't change the subject. Uh, so, you know, we don't need to be that. that um, but if we have a desire to talk about real things, people will see that in us and they will begin to open up their lives. And if we're not pushy, we're kind, we're gentle, but we're intentional and, and we're prayerful that these are the kinds of conversations we want to have. We will be having them all the time. Okay, so that's something uh, to be aware of. So the speaker, the character of the speaker of God's word is speaks simply in a common language, is intentional about going out and, and sharing God's word and talking to people about the gospel. But also that we shouldn't just be simple and intentional, but we shall also be indiscriminate. Right? Uh, verse 4, look at what Jesus says. And as he sowed, the sower goes out, some seeds fell among the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, uh, or thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain and some a hundredfold and some sixty, some thirty. So this seed, the word of God, is being given to all kinds of people. There's all kinds of people. Some people that are uninterested in it, aren't ready to hear it, or get really excited about some things, and, and it's just being widely spread to all people. Um, and so what that says is God is saying is just because some people will at least initially reject the word of God, that does not say that we should just guard it and hold it to ourselves. We spread it out. And it's going to hit people differently. And some people are in a different place of so whether they want to hear about it. And, but, but we should um, be sharing it with all kinds of people. And the reason for this is because we have no idea who's ready to hear it, who wants to hear it. I mean, it's surprising that people that you thought, they, I thought they would never want to talk about God or they would have no interest in God. All of a sudden, the conversation comes up and they're fascinated and they want to dig in and they want to ask you all kinds of questions. And if we were unwilling, we would have missed that. And so we have to spread it widely because we don't know people's hearts. You know, I have a, a pastor friend down in Mount Vernon, a guy I, I just have just met, and we we were uh, sharing a car ride down to Seattle together, and we, he was telling me about how he became a Christian, and he was saying he grew up in kind of a, a secular Jewish home, and you know didn't know much about God. He went off to college and was down in Tijuana, you know, and you know just with some friends, they were kind of bar hopping, and as they were going from one bar to the other, there was this street preacher in Tijuana who was yelling at everyone, and his friend was kind of drunk and said, oh, let's go talk to this guy, and he's kind of messing with the, the street preacher, and the street preacher just ignores his friend, and, and he's just standing there, and the street preacher just focuses in on him, he's like, oh, I know you, you worship the Trinity, don't you? sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That's your trinity, and you're going to go to hell for worshiping that trinity. 
And here he is in Tijuana. He's never thought anything about this. And he's like, he's right. <laughs> that's my God. That's my Trinity. He's like, what am I doing with my life? And he goes, you know, here's this street preacher. And you're like, does anyone pay any attention to this guy? And yet, what happened? It's not, it's not because this guy was a particularly effective preacher, but this, it's because this guy's heart was ready. He just needed someone to say something to him. And, and, and then now he's a pastor. He's been a pastor for 10 years. He's a church planter. His life was radically changed. And we don't know where people's hearts are, and it would be totally surprising to us whose hearts are ready. And so we need to be indiscriminate and not you know, just dismiss people that they're not ready to hear the word of God. We're open to all people. So we need to be intentional, be indiscriminate, but also going along with that is that we must be patient. We must have a patience about it as we go about. We shouldn't... Uh, you know, the, the, there's a sense of urgency, but also Jesus is calling us here to say, listen, it's not just going to be that you go out and you tell everyone the word of God and they're just going to be so excited to hear from you, right? Um, not all the ground yields the same fruit. And uh, one of the things Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's sending out his disciples to say, I want you to go talk to people about the gospel and about God's word. And by the way, only one in four of them is it really going to have an effect on. And you might get discouraged because people don't want to hear what you have to say. But the people who do receive it, there is going to be a crop, this harvest, a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, and it's going to make it worth it. It's going to make it worth it. Is when you see the power of, of God's word in someone's life, it's going, to, it's going to be powerful to you. As you see someone's life change and they come alive as they realize that God loves them and their sins are forgiven and they can have eternal life and they can know God. As someone realizes that, it's going to be worth it. So stay with it and be patient. And I'll tell you, one of the things that helps us to be patient with people is that to realize that we can't make people believe God's word. Right? We can't, we're just like a sower scattering seed. We can't change their hearts. We can't make their hearts believe certain things. It is a work of grace uh, for someone to understand and to, and to believe. And... Um, you know, many people who become Christians at some point in their life, they say, you know, there's a part of the Bible that I'd read or a book that I'd read, and, you know, before I was a Christian, I read it, and it was just words that meant nothing to me. And then I became a Christian, I read it, and they came alive. If something had changed in me, it was the exact same words, it was the exact same book, something had transformed me. And that's because God had given them eyes to see, given them understanding. And this is exactly what uh, Jesus says in verse 11, is he's talking about teaching in parables. He says to his disciples, and he answered them, verse 11, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. To understand the Bible, to believe the gospel is a gift from God. Faith is a gift. It's something that God has to do in us. And sometimes Christians will get all worked up that people don't see things the way they are. You know, they say, I've explained everything. Why can't you believe this? Come on. You know, you want to grab them and, and shake them, which is not effective. Don't do that. But part of the reason, part of the reason it does... What we're thinking is that we think my persuasion, we think my perfect argument is going to transform them, and it can't. I'm just a sower scattering seed, and I hope it lands on the ground that wants to receive it. And, and people will open uh, their heart to it. It is not our responsibility to prove everything to people. And this is the last part of the speaker of God's word that we learned from Jesus. Is, so we're simple, intentional, indiscriminate, 
patient, but also is to be cryptic. That we should be cryptic in our teaching of God's word. And Jesus always is speaking in these cryptic ways. You know, it's strange because he, he talks in these parables that are very plain and very simple. It's about farming and about, you know, real estate and things like that. And yet, the stories are very strange, too. They're kind of odd. And you say, what is the point of this? And uh, C.H. Dodd, who's a, he was an old New Testament scholar, he's defined a parable this, this way. This is kind of a complicated definition, but, but I think it's really good. This is what he says. A parable is a metaphor or simile drawn from nat- nature or common life, right? So it's using this common language, which is very simple, arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness. There's a strangeness to it and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt of its precise application to tease it into active thought. Okay, so what he's saying is a parable is this strange thing, and you think about it, and you're like, I don't know what that means, and it gets you thinking. And so it's like a, it's like a little ninja buries itself in your mind and starts working on you, and then you're starting to, what's going on here? And, it, and your mind starts thinking, and all of a sudden, as you're thinking about it, all kinds of mysteries and truths start popping out of it, and you start realizing all these things. This is his cryptic teaching. And um, they are, it is a simple word picture that's loaded with mysteries. And if you set your heart to study Jesus' cryptic teaching, you will be rewarded. You will find treasures there that were hidden, that you didn't see at first. And you had to study it. And you had to humble yourself and say, I don't understand this. And I need to learn some things. And this is what Jesus says, verse 12. For to the one who has, more will be given. Right? If you open your heart to his word, you, it'll continue to reward you over and over and again with mysteries. And he will have an abundance, but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And what Jesus being cryptic means is, is we share the gospel. We have to be comfortable leaving questions unanswered. Jesus does not say everything. He often just leaves things open-ended. He says strange things. You're like, are you going to tell us more about that? We don't, we're not sure exactly what you're talking about. And um, what often happens as uh, Christians is we want to say everything. And we want to talk and we talk and talk. And we, I want you to know everything. I want to prove to you that this is true because it's our desire to be in control and to be right. Jesus actually doesn't teach that way. There's this cryptic aspect he wants people to start thinking and, he want, and he's going to let the Spirit begin to work in them. And that's one of the things that we do, is we don't have to say everything. And so Jesus, you know, he'll, he'll be with a crowd of people, and he'll say, you know, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, uh, you cannot have eternal life. I was like, you want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? This is odd. And he just leaves it there. And he's like, next question, <laughs> next discussion, I, I, and ends... What's he doing? He's being cryptic. He's like, you better start thinking about it because this is extremely odd. There's no explanation. And what that means is, the reason he's cryptic is because he knows that the, as the Word of God is communicated, it's not just about the effectiveness of the speaker, but the cryptic word is only going to be received by certain peoples whose hearts are ready to hear it. Who, you know, that's what he says, right? In verse 9, He who has ears, let him hear. This is not just information that he's passing out, right? You have to have a heart that's ready to receive it. And so this is the second thing that we see in this passage, not just the character of the speaker of God's word, but also the character of the hearer of God's word. 
And Jesus' main message in, in this teaching is that your ability to understand the mysteries of God and his kingdom has everything to do with the state of your heart. If your heart is hardened, you will not be able to understand those mysteries. They will be blocked off to you. Look at in verse 13. Look at what Jesus says. I'm going to look at these, follow these verses with me. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, uh, they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So he says that the biggest obstacle to the Word of God bearing fruit and having its power, the, the thing that the Word of God is vulnerable to, is the state of our hearts. And so, in this passage, uh, Jesus gives three warnings about the heart and a promise. And I'm going to just go through these briefly. Look at these, look at these warnings. Okay? As we're, what is the character of the hearer of God's Word? Well, here's a few warnings. First of all, he gives us a warning to watch out for the adversary. Okay? There is an adversary to us understanding God's kingdom. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. Um, notice Jesus puts an emphasis on understanding the word of God. One of the things that is an obstacle to many people is they hear the Bible, they hear it and they say, well, that was strange, that was cryptic, I don't understand it, so it must not be important. If I don't understand it, it must not be important. Jesus says, not true. You have to seek out understanding. And by the way, you should expect that the Bible is going to say things you don't understand. It's going to say things that are offensive to you, things that are challenging to you. If it didn't do that, it wouldn't be the Word of God. Of course God is going to challenge you. Of course he's going to say strange things. And so we have to have the humility to say, I don't understand this. And uh, we need to seek to understand. When things are strange, we need to ask questions, which also means that to a certain extent, we need to embrace our doubts. If we come to the Bible and it's filled with things that we don't understand, we have to acknowledge and say, this doesn't make sense to me. This sounds strange. This sounds offensive. Now, there's a kind of doubting that is a hard-hearted doubting that says to God, you need to prove yourself to me. I'm the God, I'm the judge, and I will evaluate whether you pass my test. That's kind of a hard-hearted doubting. But there is another kind of doubting that just acknowledges, I don't get this. This seems inconsistent. You know, God, you're, you're a judge on the one hand, and then you say, you, you know, you're loving, love your neighbor, and you, you give love to the righteous and the unrighteous, and you welcome sinners. How do these things work together? Okay, that's not a hard-hearted doubt. That's an honest question. Now, some of you want me to answer that right now. You'll have to, you'll have to come for a couple months. You'll probably hear it at some point. But um, we have to embrace our doubts because they are showing us what we don't understand. And it's in the places that we don't understand where we have the potential to grow. And so the warning against the adversary is the adversary comes when we just sit in our, we don't understand and I'm fine with it. It must not be important because I don't understand. Not true. Jesus says, Sir, you need to search it out. You need to understand the strange things that the Bible is teaching. Okay? The second, um, uh, the, the second warning 
that Jesus gives is not just to watch out for the adversary uh, by understanding, but watch out for shallowness. We need to watch out for a shallowness in our faith. Look at verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And so there's a description here about someone who uh, gets excited about the Bible initially, and yet doesn't really go deep to understand it, and isn't continuing to grow and to learn. And then when obstacles come, what do they do? They run away. And what Jesus says, the mark of immaturity, the mark of immaturity is how do you handle conflict in your faith? Things are not going how you want them to. Now this could be, he's talking to his disciples about persecution. You're going to get persecuted. People are not going to like you because of your faith. But there's going to, the, the Bible makes all kinds of challenges to us about, uh, uh, about how we live and about relationships and all kinds of things. When difficulties come, do we run away? That is a question of are, is, the, is the gospel shallow within us? Have, has, have the roots gone down? And as we persist to understand the word of God and, it, and roots are formed, we're be, we, we develop a, a resilience against um, tribulations, persecutions, hardships that we remain in our faith. And so we have to watch out for a shallowness and an immaturity that, you know, if you say, oh, I just kind of want to know the basic things about the faith. I don't want to learn more and grow more. Jesus is challenging us. The third thing to watch out for, he says, is he says to watch out for worldliness. And I, I think this is, you know, I look in my own life, I, I see this as, as uh, one of the big challenges for me. Verse 22, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And I think for most of us, when we say, what is our obstacle to embracing and hearing God's word and it really forming us and shaping us, is we say, I simply don't have time for it. I don't have time for the word of God. I have so many other things. I've got my job and I've got my family. I've got relationships. I've even got hobbies and things that I want to care for. And, and the word of God is getting crowded out. It is because of the cares of the world, these other burdens. And we believe that those things are the things that are going to really bring meaning to my life and joy. And we don't believe that the word of God will or can. And so Jesus says to watch out for the cares of the world. And the way that we deal with that, how do you deal with that? You know, some of you say, that's me. I'm thinking about how much money I have. I think about uh, I want to get married. I think about I need to pursue my career. Um, I'm thinking about a hobby that I really love doing. And the word of God is getting crowded out. How can I correct that? Well, Jesus gives a promise And it's not just the warnings, but it's the promise of the Word of God that really will draw us to it. And what he says is that the Word of God is this powerful, organic power that will grow in you and that will transform you. And he says that if you embrace it, you will begin to be fruitful. You'll begin to love people. You'll begin to love God and you serve other people. And, you know, I'll tell you this, you know, many, uh, I heard this illustration uh, from another pastor where he's talking about, I, th- I think there was a, a graveyard in, um, somewhere in, outside of London, and there was a, uh, there were these two marble or, or granite slabs on this big, uh, you know, tombstone or something like that, and there was an oak 
acorn that had wedged itself in between these two granite slabs. And actually, somehow, this, this oak acorn had actually germinated, and it had started to grow. And so all of a sudden, you have these two granite slabs that are competing against this little acorn. You know, and you think it's a little acorn. What, how powerful is that thing, right? And the question is, who do you think wins? The granite slabs or the acorn? The acorn, every time, will crush will break those granite slabs. And many of us, we have certain things in our life, in our heart, we feel like my heart has granite slabs over it. What, is gonna, what can break those? What can crush those? What can change those? They seem so immovable. Only an organic power, like a seed, like an acorn. And Jesus says that power is the word of God. And so let me just tell you, you know, if you're here and you say, I know I need God's word more in my life. Actually, I need that power. I need the, the organic power to change me, to give me joy, love for people, hope in God. What can I, but you know what? I'm, I have the, the stones that are keeping me immature. I have the thorns that are the cares of the world that are choking it out. What can I, how can I get rid of them? Well, can soil weed itself? Can wo- soil get rid of the rocks or the birds that are eating away the... Uh, the seeds? No. Only the gardener can. And Jesus is the gardener who can, he's the only one who can remove the stones that are keeping us from growing. Jesus is the only one who can weed out the thorns, the cares of this life that are keeping us back and beat off the birds that are e- taking away uh, the seed. And so you go to him and you tell him, Lord, I want to grow in your word and I want the organic power of the word to grow inside of me and change me. And he will. This is what his kingdom is all about. This is what he's doing. This is what we're doing here. And so let's uh, pray that he'll do that in our lives now together. Let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you for your word. What a gift it is. I pray that in this community, we would be soil that is eager to hear your word, to receive it. And uh, I pray that we would see your word growing inside of us and bearing fruit a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And uh, so, Lord, open our hearts, but also send us out as that fruit, as we are bearing fruit and uh, the hundredfold, would we send your seed out um, throughout this community as you send us out? Would we be eager to talk about your word and give us those simple words? Give us that patience. Give us that uh, cryptic patience to talk about the kingdom of God that we might see many bear fruit in this community. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.